So it is my very great pleasure to introduce to you uh, the speaker for today. Um, Josh Dombos is the director of New City Kids. Um, as I mentioned, we've been supporting New City for uh, many years now. And uh, every year, we invite New City to come uh, and be with us, to share their ministry with us, to give us an update, and for Josh to bring a, a teaching from there. And so I invite Josh to bring his teaching. Thank you. Thank you. Um, before I get started this morning, I just wanted to share a little bit about what has been happening at New City Kids. It's been a really exciting time. I know some of you are very familiar with our ministry, and others of you, this may be one of the first times that you have heard about it. So let me share a little bit about what we do. Um, New City Kids is a ministry to children and youth, primarily in Jersey City. That's where we started. Um, though this past year we've had some really exciting um, news in that our model has been taken to Grand Rapids, Michigan, and also to Patterson, um, New Jersey. But what we do is that we hire local high school students. So the young people who are leading worship this morning um, are among our teen staff, and we employ them to work in our after-school programs as tutors and performing arts teachers. Um, we teach music and bass guitar, keyboard, drums um, to first through eighth grade children who come to our centers. Um, this fall, we were able to offer 75 high school students a position with us um, to staff two sites um, of our after-school program in Jersey City. We have just grown. God has been so good to us. Um, we've grown tremendously. This past year's senior class was the largest senior class that we've ever had graduate. There were 21 um, seniors, all of whom are enrolled in college this fall. Um, we have worked really hard to really solidify a college-bound record with our with our high school students, and we're really proud of what they go on to accomplish. Um, we, to that end, we uh, take students on a weekly or a, a spring break trip um, during April. Um, we take them away for five days targeted to sophomores and juniors um, where we visit college campuses and just talk to them about what their options are after high school. And we've seen an incredible amount of hope and just excitement come out of going on trips like that. Um, some, exciting, some exciting things that have happened this past year. I shared that we opened in Grand Rapids and, and Patterson are Maybe of special note, Jeremy and Gracie Jershina, who were longtime attenders of, New, of Redeemer Hoboken and had been on staff with New City Kids, moved to Patterson and planted that site. I had the chance to go visit Jeremy a couple weeks ago. They're doing terrific. They have a beautiful space and a gymnasium and some things that make me jealous. Um, but they, they're serving about 40 kids up there and have hired about 20 high school students and are just doing really well. We, we had the chance to do all of our teen training in August um, with our high school students and had 90 teens combined with the teens from Jersey City and Patterson at our training retreat. It was just really exciting. And other exciting news, um, Jersey City Public Schools has asked us to partner with them and launch a third site in Jersey City um, in the strongest partnership that we have ever had. Um, with PS22, which um, is of no coincidence, is the school that Oscar Velez is the principal at, who is here and attends this church. So we are really excited about that. 
um, that opportunity to work formally with the school district. We're going to be serving kids two days a week at this school, and then we're partnering with a local church that's just a few blocks from there um, to serve the other two days of the week. So we're going to serve four days of after-school center um, at this third site, and we're just really enthusiastic about that. And so we're going to hire another 20 teens to staff that site um, and and just feel like God is just opening incredible doors for us. So all that to say... When Pastor Tony says that that 12 years ago, um, Redeemer Hoboken um, came alongside New City Kids, I want you to know that God has taken your heart for this ministry and has just gone on to do some incredible things. Um, we surveyed our alumni this past year, the most thorough alumni survey that we've ever had, um, and it's just tremendous um, how they're doing. We have 90% of our New City Kids alumni have either earned their college degree or are still full-time students. Um, We have 100% of our kids who have graduated from college are employed. Um, They're just doing remarkably well. And we're we're so proud of that, and we're proud to partner that type of preparation with the gospel. And um, I was encouraged. 91% of the young people that we surveyed said that they had grown in their faith while they were at New City Kids, and I I just felt really encouraged by the opportunity that we had to continue to be a beacon of hope for them and hearing about God's plan for them and his love for them. So sorry that that's such a long um, intro, but I did want to tell you God is just continuing to do amazing things through this ministry, and we're so thankful for your partnership. Um, Pastor Tony mentioned we're having the Bash event. Please stop by. the table in the back and grab a card. It's on November 18th, um, which is a Wednesday evening. It's going to be an hour-long showcase of what the work is at New City Kids, and it's in our space, so you get to come and see it. The kids are going to perform, and it's really going to be a terrific night. So if you just want to come and be encouraged um, by what God is doing, I would, we would love to have you. Also, it's one of those events that's a great first-time intro to New City, right? So if you have somebody in your life where you think, wow, they would love this, or this person really might want to come alongside New City Kids and partner with them, we would love for you to invite them to come out that night. So, yeah, thank you so much. All right, shifting gears. <laughs> um, if you feel kind of like there's a spotlight on you um, during this sermon, it may be the Lord's conviction, or it just may be that they ratched the heat up in here for us. <laughs> um, I'm warm. I'm warm. But um, I wanted to share this morning and look at a passage in Nehemiah. Um, and this, this message is really about, about leaning into God's purpose in, in our lives. So let me just pray before we get started. Dear Father, I come before you. I thank you for this opportunity to be here together, God. Thank you for this church and for the ways that you have used them to be an encouragement to the ministry at New City Kids and um, to me and my family personally, Father. I pray that you would just open our hearts this morning and speak to us. God, I, I pray that, that we would hear your voice and that um, we would continue to trust you in, in increasing ways. In Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning I want to look at um, the life of Nehemiah from the Old Testament. 
Um, he's not the most famous Old Testament character. I don't remember Sunday school lessons about him particularly. Um, but I feel as though he's an incredible example of a man who lived into his purpose, the purpose that God had for him. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna read kind of a long text, but follow me. Um, it's in Nehemiah 1, and I'm gonna start at verse 2. Han and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile and are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with, uh, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws that you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses, saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. They are your servants and your people, whom you have redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king. And in the month of Nisan, in the twentieth king of King Antiseraxes, when wine was brought to him, I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before, so the king asked me, Why does your face look so sad when you are not ill? This can be nothing but sadness of heart. I was very much afraid, but I said to the king, May the king live forever. Why should my face not look sad when the city where my ancestors are buried lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? And the king said to me, What is it that you want? And then I prayed to the God of heaven, and I answered the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in his sight, then let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. First, let's set the stage for Nehemiah a little bit in case you're like me and you don't remember this Sunday school story either. He was a Jew living under Babylonian rule. A contemporary of some other famous people that I do remember from Sunday school, likely Queen Esther. He probably lived shortly after Daniel, who, as you'll recall, was thrown in the lion's den, um, serving under King Nebuchadnezzar. The Israelites had refused to heed the warnings of prophet after prophet, and ultimately God handed them over to the Babylonians, and Jerusalem was destroyed. The best and the brightest were trained by the Babylonians, but many people were left. Nehemiah apparently 
had fared rather well. Because when his story begins, he's already in service to the king, and certainly as a servant, but a servant with some benefits, with access, he was in the king's presence every day. He sat next to the king during the great feasts. He's of some prominence. And in the beginning of this passage, he hears about Jerusalem and the distress that the Israelite people are in um, that remained in the area, and it grieves him. Maybe because those were his people. Maybe because deep-rooted inside of him, he knew that that wasn't God's plan. That something about the world wasn't right. Something inside of him just strongly opposes the reality of what's happening with the Jewish people, and it breaks his heart. And it pushes him first to go before God, and then to go before the king. As the story continues, we see that God has big purposes for Nehemiah rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And Jerusalem was a big deal. Really a pinnacle, a focus of God's people. The temple had been there. It was a reminder to God's people of, of His promise um, to, to make them a great nation. And God lays it on Nehemiah's heart to go and rebuild this wall. But his whole story hinges on this beginning. On his grief. On his willingness to go before the king and ask for help. And as I was thinking about this message this morning, I wondered, would I have done that? And considering that, made me reflect on how much I value independence and therefore not wanting to ask for help. And while I believe that this is a human condition, arguably there is no other country in the world, no culture in all the course of human history that has valued independence more than ours. We have built a whole society around an idea of a dream that you'll acquire things, that you can provide for yourself, have all you want when you want it, and therefore not need anyone. How many people in this room actually enjoy asking for help? Oh. (laughs) I think you're in good company. It is so ingrained in us not to do this. This is, that's why we live in a culture where the thing that you are supposed to say when someone asks you how you're doing is, I'm good or fine, preferably with a smile, making sure that you don't reveal any need, and you know you do it. You could be having the most terrible day imaginable, and someone asks you, how are you doing? I'm fine. You? Fine. Everyone is just fine. No needs here. No need of anyone. We're good. And we do this to our kids. There's a lot of parents of young children here. I have three little girls of my own, eight, six, and two. 
How many times do we do this? How many times have you been getting your kids ready to go somewhere? The whole day has been totally out of control. They're a mess. Um, but before you leave, you make sure that they use the bathroom so that when you get to where you're going, they're not in a state of emergency. And before you walk in, you clean them off, you straighten up their hair, you wipe out their face, and you say things like, don't go in there and tell them that you're hungry. (laughs) If they offer you food, that's okay. But please don't ask. (laughs) Or remember, you have lots of toys at home. We have a toy almost just like that. If they don't give you a turn, it's okay. And don't act sad because you're going to ruin this whole time with your friends. And we call this manners. And some of it is. But some of it is a cover. Because we're teaching our kids something that is very, very important in our society. Don't you dare act needy. Because whether you are or not doesn't really matter because that is not good. No one wants to be around needy people. So pretend like you're fine on your own. And the teens at New City Kids do this all the time. I'm assigned to about a half a dozen guys as their one-on-one mentor, we call it. And pretty frequently, I'll find out something relatively serious that has happened in their life that obviously would have affected them. Their mother was in the hospital, or their family's having financial hardships, or they were in a fight at school And I'll go to them and say, are you okay? And they cover. Josh, I'm fine. I knew you were busy. It's okay. It's not a big deal. I'm all right. Even if they're not. Because no one wants to seem in need. Last year when I was here, I shared about a young man, Emmanuel, who was part of our program He graduated and started at Rowan University this fall, and he called me a couple weeks ago, and he was really overwhelmed. He told me that he had a $900 bill left on his semester, that the university had put his account on hold, and that it had prevented him from buying one of the last books that he needed, and he was falling behind in his assignments. Josh, I don't know if I can finish this semester. It's like, why didn't you come to me sooner? But I knew why. Because even though Emmanuel knows that I love him, he really wanted to handle it. He didn't want to be a burden. And he only called when there was no other way out. And I'm so glad that he did. He started a GoFundMe account, and one of our supporters shared it at their workplace. And in a matter of days, the bill was paid. But for every Emmanuel, there's dozens of people who would have dropped out because they wouldn't want to ask anybody for help. And unfortunately, all this conditioning works directly against us in our relationship with God. Not only is it difficult to be in a relationship that requires us to acknowledge our need, but we so badly want to do everything on our own and to seem fine while doing it. And the more I come to know about the Christian life, though, the more I am beginning to accept that I don't think we can live a life honoring to God, fulfilling His purposes for us, and never be in need. And that reality creates conflict in us. 
And every firstborn child in this room is already done with this sermon. (laughs) Many of us would say that we want to live lives honoring to God. That we want to glorify Him in the greatest way possible for us. But what if we cannot accomplish that without needing help? From God and from other people. Let's look at Nehemiah. Here's a man whose life we can look to as an example of someone who lived out their purpose. The first thing that is striking about him is in verse 2 when he asks about other people. Sometimes we don't ask because we don't want to know. A couple weeks ago, I ran into a woman whose daughter used to go to New City Kids, but I hadn't seen them in years It was the weekend, and I was off, and part of me didn't want to stop. But I know that it's in those small moments where you offer pause and kindness that God can work. And so I did stop, and I asked her about her daughter and shared that we were hiring more teens this fall, that I would love to see them get back involved. We exchanged phone numbers and parted ways. When I saw her number come up on my phone a few weeks later, I just had a feeling that it wasn't good. She asked me to to speak to me in my office, and she had barely sat down, and there were tears streaming down her face. She and her daughter were being evicted. They didn't know where to go. They were so behind in rent. She didn't know where to turn. And for whatever reason, on that day, she had thought of me. And it's difficult to be in those moments, because when we know... We feel obligated to do something. If I'm honest, I often don't want to know about the ills of the world. Sometimes I don't want to watch the news. Sometimes I keep conversations superficial on purpose because being aware of need is uncomfortable and it causes us to consider whether or not we should do something and that can be agonizing. But Nehemiah stopped. He asked about others. He let himself know. And out of that, God made his purpose clear to him. Secondly, Nehemiah feels his emotions. It says that after he heard about the Israelite people, he wept. If you were just to read the passage about Nehemiah that I shared this morning, out of context, you might assume that this man was weak. But if you follow his story, you find quite the opposite. He's impressive. He's bold. He's a leader. He doesn't shrink back from controversy. He stands his ground in the face of political pressure. He mobilizes people. Later, he's elected governor. He holds people accountable. Don't be confused. Nehemiah is a strong man. A strong man with a sincere heart. He weeps. He is downhearted in such a way that even before the king, it is evident. Do we leave ourselves any space to feel sad about the things in this world that are not right? Or are we far too busy creating a world, a safe world, where there are no needs to let ourselves go to that place emotionally? Because after all, people would think that there's something wrong with us 
What if we got really upset and we weren't fine anymore? So we stay away from those things that evoke emotion so that we can stay in control, but consequently, we miss God's chance to propel us into service for Him. Thirdly, Nehemiah goes to God. I would encourage you in your own times with the Lord this week, go back to this prayer that Nehemiah prays. There's a lot of beautiful things about Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1. He recognizes God's goodness He asks for God to pay attention. He confesses his sin. He remembers God's promises. And ultimately, he asks for God's success and favor. This is like one of those prayers that if we prayed more like that, I think that it would transform our lives. I found one of the most humbling things in parenting is to listen to my children pray. I think that there's some areas where I'm a fairly good role model to my girls. But when I hear them pray, it reminds me of the shallowness of my own prayer life that I've modeled in front of them. Their prayers often sound like this. God, thanks for this food. Help us have a good day. Amen. When I was tucking her in a couple weeks ago, my daughter Macy, I asked her, if there was anything that I could pray for her for. And she looked at me kind of quizzically and said, like what? I don't know. Anything that you're worried about? Anything that you want to ask God for? Anything that you feel like you should ask for God's forgiveness about? She thought for a moment and she shrugged her shoulders and said, nope. Maybe the spiritual version of telling God, I'm fine. And maybe she is. But maybe I haven't modeled for her what it's like to go to your Heavenly Father with real needs. Let's just keep it on the surface. Nehemiah's prayer in chapter 1 is an incredible guide for us. Nehemiah takes it to God in prayer. Even to the point where he's reminding God of his promises Why don't we go to our Father like that? It would be an admission that we need Him to come through for us. We have a need and He has to keep His Word to meet it. And we want to make sure that He knows. And it acknowledges that we fall short, confessing ways that we've messed up and admitting that we need His mercy. Out of a prayer like this, our hearts conform to what God needs them to be so that He could really use us to accomplish His purpose in us. Nehemiah is willing to ask for what he needs. He doesn't want to ask the king for resources to go rebuild the wall, but he cares more about what God's laid on his heart than he does about his pride or his fear. My challenge to us this morning is this. If the plan that we have for our lives doesn't force us to rely on God and other people, we have limited what God can do through us. There are some things about stepping out in faith 
and relying on God that seem to always be true. One, it's scary. You will always feel ill-equipped and unable to do it. Nehemiah was afraid, and any time we consider stepping into what God has for us out of the comfort of what we're in control of, seems pretty normal that we would be afraid. And it's humbling. You have to cash in on favors and relationships. The king had never seen Nehemiah so sad because he had a good reputation. It's probably more likely that the king was sympathetic to him. Similarly, following God's purpose for us will likely require us to ask other people to be with us. Emmanuel had to cash in on his relationship with me. And that's humbling to do. Especially when we're taught not to ask. But just like it would be foolish for Emmanuel to not finish college because of a $900 bill, how something so small could stand in the way of him reaching his full potential, that is so similar to our lives and reaching our purpose that God has for us. It's the small things that we're unwilling to humble ourselves for that often hold us back. But there's other good things about stepping out in faith. There's blessings hidden there that seem to always be true as well because there's peace there. You don't have to question if you're doing enough or if you're trusting God. You need Him to come through for you. And what you find is that there is more peace in knowing that He will indeed come through than there is in the world that you created with no needs. That God walks right with us into situations that are out of our control, that we spend so much time being afraid of, and He doesn't change. He stays the same. And also, your faith grows when you're willing to sacrifice being independent. You watch God come through for you again and again and you start to rely on Him with bigger and bigger things and you get to watch Him do miracles even inside of you. Could Nehemiah have believed that he would actually be able to carry out what God had put on his heart and rebuild that wall? Would he have believed that the king was going to grant him all the resources that he needed to do it? That after the wall was rebuilt, that God was going to use him to gather all the remnants of the Israelite people and repopulate the city. That they were going to elect him to be their leader. That someday Jerusalem being rebuilt was going to be one of the greatest images in the Bible of how God is going to gather his people together to one day rebuild a greater Jerusalem. Nehemiah I'm guessing, would not have thought that was possible and would not have considered himself worthy. He was just a cupbearer. But God had a great purpose for him. And God has great purposes for us too. Let us not limit what God can do through us by our pride or desire to be independent. Let's follow Nehemiah's example and let's give God the chance to do more with our lives than what we can imagine.
Will you pray with me? God, thank you for being with us, Father. For taking us back when, when we have gone our own way, God. By wanting to, to bring your people back to yourself. I pray, Father, that the things that you lay on our hearts, God, the purposes that you have for us, that, that we would not shy away from them. That we would follow you with, with boldness, Father, and that, that we would be willing to lean on you and lean on each other as we follow your will for our lives. Thank you so much for your word this morning and the examples that you've set for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.